Well, good morning, church family. It's great to be with you uh, today from wherever you may be watching from. Thanks for being with us. Uh, just a couple of things before we dive into the message this morning. The first is, um, in case you haven't heard, I think the word's been out for a while, but starting next Sunday, November 1st, after eight months of not worshiping in this room, we're gonna be back in this room at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. It's been a, a long time coming. Uh, we can't wait to see you. If you need some more information or you haven't seen kind of the announcement video, if you wanna know what that day is gonna look like, uh, go to our website, newlifeofashville.com. Got some information for you in terms of what to expect when you arrive at 9 and 11 a.m. next Sunday. Also, we will be live streaming both of those services. So it will not be at 10 a.m. anymore after this week. It'll be at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So for those of you who are perhaps in a, a high-risk category for the virus, would encourage you to, to just stay connected with us at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. For the rest of you, man, we can't wait to see you live and in person uh, again next Sunday. Also, I wanna let you know, Rachel already mentioned this, but if you're a part of our faith family here at New Life, you know that October is an important month for us. It's what we call our missions month. We kind of culminate the end of that with what we call our send missions offering. And so we're actually gonna be taking that offering up three weeks from today on November 15th. And what that offering does is it goes to fund pretty much all of our mission work locally here in our city, regionally in our nation and globally uh, around the world in 2021. And so if you are a covenant team member at New Life, uh, if you're a person who attends here and you consider this place your spiritual home, I would ask you to do what Cheryl and I do every year. We just kind of talk and pray through it and say, what can we sacrifice so that this great news, the best news the world has ever known, go out to all the peoples of the world? And so would encourage you, New Life family, please be praying about what God would have you give over and above so that the nations might know that he loves them and he sent Jesus to rescue them. Also wanna let you know, if you didn't get the word, we're gonna be celebrating uh, the Lord's Supper virtually right at the end of the message. And, uh, and so if you don't have the elements out, right now would be a great time. Just run to your kitchen, grab some juice, grab some bread or crackers. You can substitute for something else, grab some sweet tea or something if you don't have any juice. And at the end of the message, we're gonna celebrate uh, what Jesus has done for us as we commemorate his life, death, and resurrection. Well, today we're gonna be wrapping up our series called Encounters with Jesus, as well as our Missions Month. So we've been in uh, Luke's Gospel for the entirety of this month. We're gonna be back there again this morning. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do at home, go ahead and grab that, turn it on, and head for Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, that's where we're gonna camp out together this morning. And as you find your place there, let me just ask you a question. What, what would you tell the people that you love most if you knew that what you were about to say to them was the last thing they would ever hear from you? So if you, if you knew the people that you love most, what you were about to say to them in this very moment would be the last words they ever, ever heard from you. What would you, what would you perhaps say to your kids? or your spouse, or your parents, or your best friend. I can remember uh, a few years ago driving down to, to Birmingham, Alabama, uh, right before my 
grandfather passed and we knew this was probably gonna be the last time that we would see my grandfather uh, alive. And we got to spend some, some time with him and, and, and talk to him. And I still to this day vividly remember some of the very last words that he said to me. I, th- these words are just kind of emblazoned in my mind. Why is that? It's because last words have lasting impact. Last words have lasting impact. And Jesus, after his resurrection, also had some, some final words. He had some last words for his uh, small kind of disorganized, fearful band of followers. And these final words would actually change the trajectory of history itself. And those words have informed generation after generation of Jesus' followers for the last 2,000 years. And I believe that his words have the power, his last words have the power to change your life and change my life, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey this morning. Okay, Luke 24, I hope that you're there. Here's the backdrop. Jesus has just been crucified. He's, he's dead. He's been, he's been buried in a tomb. His disciples are, they're holed up somewhere. They're inside, they're, they're hiding, they're scared. And, and by the way, you would be too. If, if your leader had just been publicly tortured and executed and murdered, you probably would also be thinking, man, they, maybe they're coming for us next, right? This is, this is our guy. This is the guy we've been following. Everybody knows what we look like and they've seen us with him. They just tortured and killed him. They're probably coming for us next. And so they're scared, they're frightened, they're hiding. But there are, there are these rumors that are beginning to circulate that, Some people have seen Jesus alive, which must have just seemed absolutely impossible to them. And so they're they're holed up in this little compound, wherever they are, scared, and they're talking about it like, man, I heard this thing. Somebody said they they saw Jesus. There's these whispers out there that maybe he's he's come back. It could could this be true, guys? Could could this be true? Nah, man, this couldn't be true, man. We we saw him dead. He was dead, they took him off the cross, we saw him buried. He was, he was not just dead, he was, he was dead, dead. There was no life in him. This is impossible, man, but, but people are saying stuff. Could this, could this be? And this is kind of the conversation that is playing out among the disciples of Jesus three days after his death. And we're gonna jump in at verse 36 in Luke chapter 24. It says this, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Now I have to stop here just for a moment. I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm going to anyway. Um, ever, ever since I was a little kid, uh, for me, probably one of the simplest and most satisfying joys in life is found in scaring people. Like, like jumping out from behind something and, and frightening them really bad. So I, uh, my poor little sister who's two years younger than me, I, I just tortured her uh, for 18 years of, of her life. Uh, now I'm married, and so Cheryl, that's probably her favorite thing that I, that I do for her. I love to, to kind of sneak up behind her. And I don't make any noises. I just stand behind her, like two inches behind her. And as soon as she turns around, I don't even say anything. I'm just right there. And she jumps out of her skin every single time, and I love it. I, I just, it does something inside of my heart that brings me great joy. I can't explain it. Uh, John, Jonathan Jones has the misfortune of having an office right next to mine, and so you, you guys can ask Jonathan how many times I've uh, almost scared the soul out of, his, out of his body. There's just, there's something magical 
about scaring the mess out of people. I don't know, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I know I, I realize I, I probably need therapy, but I, but, I, but I love it. And so you can see why I appreciate how Jesus handles his first appearance to his disciples, right? He doesn't, he doesn't knock on the door. He doesn't call from outside the house and say, hey guys, it's, it's me, just don't be frightened. I just wanna let you know I'm, I'm gonna be coming in. Don't, don't be scared, it's, it's really me. No, he just, poof, he just shows up right in the middle. He's there. So they, they all jump, right? they all kind of freak out and his words to them are, peace be to you. Now I have to imagine that Jesus probably says those words, peace be to you, after they just jumped out of their skin with a little bit of a grin on his face. Uh, maybe he had a little bit of, little chuckle at the time. Peace be to you, my jumpy little friends. It's, it's me, relax. Remember I told you this was gonna happen. Why are y'all so scared? Verse 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my, my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, I love that terminology, they disbelieved for joy, they were, they were giddy, they're like, this can't be true, that's Jesus right there, no it's not, yes it is, touch him. And they were marveling, and he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now I, I love in this scene that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't chastise them, in the moment for having doubts. He doesn't, he doesn't browbeat them and say, man, why, why don't y'all have more faith? I've spent the last three and a half years with you guys and you still don't believe. Why are you such spiritual losers? He doesn't do that. He offers them proof, right? He's like, hey guys, get in here. Touch me, hug me. It's, it's, really, it's really me. So the disciples, his followers, are, they're going nuts. They're marveling. They're like, man, this seems way too good to be true. But then there he is. We, we can't deny it. We see him. We just touched him. He just shared a meal with us. There he is. He was dead as a doornail, but there he is, very much alive. And I love the fact that Jesus actually eats with them. In the Jewish culture, uh, when you share a meal with someone, it's a sign of intimacy. And so Jesus is saying to them, he's also demonstrating to them this concept. He's saying, man, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here. Touch me. Feel me. I'm going to eat a meal with you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay, guys. I know you're scared, but I'm, I'm here with you now. And I would just guess that some of you that are tuned in this morning probably need to hear that from Jesus today. I'm here. I see you. I hear you. I have not left you. I, I am never going to leave you or forsake you. It's gonna be okay. Listen, friend, he is not afraid of your pain and he is not afraid of your doubts. He invites you to reach out and to speak to him and to be with him because he's that kind of God. This is incredible. Look as he continues on in verse 44. It says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And so he, he's saying to them, hey, hey remember guys, I, I told you before I even went to the cross that this was how it was gonna go down. I, I, I told you guys that I had to suffer and die and I told you that I was gonna rise again on the third day. Don't, don't you remember all these conversations that we had? That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms 
must be fulfilled. He just said, listen guys, everything in the Old Testament was pointing to me. You guys have studied these ancient books for, for decades and centuries and it's really all just pointing to me. I am the fulfillment of everything written in the Old Testament. And then, this is beautiful, listen to this. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, how many of us have had that experience in our life? Right, where, where they were just, we would open the Bible and we'd read it, just kind of dead words to us. They meant nothing to us. We didn't really understand it. They didn't move us. They didn't stir our hearts or anything like that. But all of a sudden, one day, God opened our spiritual eyes and he breathed new life into our hearts and these ancient words become alive and active and they speak life into our souls. That was my very experience as a sophomore in college. Been around church, had read the Bible many times and it never did anything in my soul, never stirred anything in my heart until God opened my eyes, opened my heart so that I could understand his words and it changed me forever. Verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And here, here, here's where it gets good. And that repentance, the repentance for the forgiveness of sins, it, basically that's the gospel. The idea that, that God came and he offers forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, that this gospel should be proclaimed in his name, the name of Jesus, to all nations. To all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now guys, what we're gonna do this morning is really simple. We're gonna unpack, I think, what we see here, three life-changing truths in this final interaction, final words between Jesus and his disciples. And then we're gonna celebrate what he's done by taking communion. So here's the first thing that we can't miss this morning. Jesus' final words to his people, number one, gave them, gives us a purpose. You gotta understand, he gave them a purpose. So let me just ask you, friend, do you have a purpose in life? Like if I, if I were to pull you aside, like if you guys were here, uh, or maybe you come to the five, five o'clock outdoor service and I were to pull you aside and just say, man, what, what is your purpose in life? I were to just ask, it's a very simple question. What would your answer be? Do you have that one thing that you are living for and you're willing to die for? That one thing that you filter everything else in your life through? Or are you just kind of floating and drifting through life? Are you just kind of existing? Just kind of, kind of hanging on by a thread and man, you just kind of, that alarm goes off on morning, Monday morning and you get up and you go to school and you go to work and you come home and you rinse and repeat every single day of your life or maybe you're just living for the weekend. Listen, I'm not sure that there's a greater tragedy than a purposeless life. I'm not sure there's a greater tragedy than that because listen, you were created for purpose. Without purpose, man, you're just gonna kind of bounce around in your life from one thing to the next and you will never find happiness because you're constantly gonna be looking for it in the wrong places. If you're anything like me, you're gonna be looking for it in things like relationships. Oh man, that if I can just get the right person, 
the right friend, the right boyfriend, the right girlfriend. They will complete me. I'll have purpose in my life. Everything's going to be great. You're going to be looking for it in, in money. Man, if I could just get whatever that magical number is in my life, man, life would be better. I would feel complete. I would have purpose. Or maybe for you, it's a job or possessions, whatever it is, man. And you're just going to keep bouncing from thing to thing, and you are going to come up empty over and over again. Why? Because, listen, right purpose leads to real joy, always. Right purpose leads to real joy. Look at the end of Luke 24 with me, verse 50. It says, and he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. He prayed for them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with what? With great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now get this, Jesus just told them that they were going to have to give up everything to take this good news to the entire world. And what's their response? Oh, Jesus, not, I don't wanna give up everything, man. Like, I, I got a good thing going on here. I just got a good job. And man, I got a couple little kids. Like you know, this, this great commission thing really isn't for me, right, Jesus? It's too radical. It's too, it's too dangerous. You don't really mean that, do you? Did they complain? Did they come up with excuses? What's their response? Well, Dr. Luke tells us that they responded by worshiping with great joy. I'm just telling you, friend, purpose in life is everything. If you have something to live and die for, you have a life worth living. I can remember as a sophomore in college, <clears throat> right after I gave my life to Christ for the, the very first time, and he began to really change my heart. He began to change me at the core of who I was. The very next summer, I went on a, a, a mission trip, my first mission trip as a follower of Jesus. And um, I, I can remember, we're, we went down to Honduras. Uh, I think, I can't remember, the earthquake, a hurricane just came through. So we went into the mountains, into this remote village. And so all, all, week, all week long, we, we were doing these little programs for the kids of the village and they would come out and we would teach them about the gospel and we'd do these games with them. And then they had this little rinky building for a, a church that could fit like 20 people in there. And so we would go every night and we'd invite the village and we would take turns as college students just sharing our testimony, sharing our our story of how Jesus had radically revolutionized our life. And they would pack that thing out and they would squeeze like 100 people out there and they'd have people kind of peeking in the windows. And we did that all week long and people were coming to faith and we were baptizing people. And I remember one day just sitting out in the middle of the field on a rock. And I, I'm not sure why I was sitting out in the middle of the field on a rock, but I guess there was nothing else to do in Honduras in the middle of the day. And, um, and I just had, man, I didn't hear an audible voice but, but it was as real as an audible voice. And I just felt like God was saying, this is your purpose. This is what I made you for. And I felt so alive in that moment that I'd been chasing all of these things and relationships with, with girls and, and, and money. And I wanted this big career path that was gonna make me a lot of money. I had all these things I was chasing in life and I was in the simplicity of this rural mountain village in Honduras, just sharing the gospel with people, loving on them. And God breathed that into my soul. This is your purpose and I'm telling you, my life has not been the same ever since that moment. I think one of the reasons that we are seeing so much angst and so much unrest in our country today is because most people don't have a purpose in life. 
And so anything that rocks their little boat, it just kinda, kinda sends them into a rage. There's no peace and there's no happiness in a purposeless life. So friend, do you have purpose? I want you to know that Jesus offers that to you this morning. He offers you a real and lasting purpose, something way bigger than yourself that you can be a part of. And the reality is, friend, you need that. You need it. Just like I need it, we all need it. Because without it, you will drift, you will seek, and you will never find lasting happiness. I remember back in uh, the early 2000s, uh, John Piper preached a, a sermon that really kind of revolutionized life for a lot of college students at the time. It's, it's kind of known as the, the seashell story. And so he, he preached this sermon and, and part of the illustration in, in this, this message, and he's told the story of these two older ladies in his church. These ladies were in their late 70s or, or early 80s, and they had retired from the medical field. And so they, they got on an airplane and they went to the middle of Africa to an unreached people group. And they were just going from village to village and they were, they were meeting people's needs and they were helping heal people and they were sharing the hope that people could have in Christ. And as they were going from village to village, these two precious 80-year-old saints, the brakes went out in the car that they were driving from one village to the next village with the gospel of Jesus. They went off a cliff and in an instant they stepped into eternity with Jesus. And Piper looked at the crowd and he asked them the question, was their life a tragedy? Was their life a tragedy? And then Piper went on to tell another story. He, he, read, he read this featured kind of story in a, in a magazine article of a couple from the Northeast who retired in their early 50s. They did an interview with this couple that had retired in the early 50s and they had moved down to Florida and they were asking them, hey, what are you doing with your time now that you're done working and you're 50? This is amazing, how can other people do it? And they said, yeah, well, we basically fill our days by collecting seashells. That's what we're gonna kind of do the rest of our life. The last 30 years of our life, we're gonna walk on the beach and we're gonna collect seashells. And Piper looked at his audience, he looked at the church and he says, which story is the real tragedy? The two 80-year-old nurses who gave their lives, pressing forward the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness, and they were there for one moment sharing the gospel, and the very next moment they were standing in front of Jesus. Was that the tragedy? Or was it this couple that took an early retirement, and one day they're gonna step into eternity with what? Armful of shells to show Jesus for the last third of their life? Which story is a real tragedy? Purpose matters, friends. Purpose matters more than we could ever imagine. And Jesus offers that purpose to you and to me. So beloved, let's take hold of this purpose. Let's live for something bigger than ourselves. And the second thing Jesus' final words give us beyond just purpose is he promises us to give us, number two, his power. Now look back at verse 49 with me. He says this, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What Jesus was telling his people, his followers, was listen, I'm sending you guys the Holy Spirit. 
Don't be sad that I'm going back to my father. It's actually better for, for me to go back to my father, he said, because I'm gonna spend, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to live within you. I'm gonna put him inside of your life, inside of your soul and your heart, and you're gonna experience bravery and boldness that you never thought you had within you. The same spirit that raised me from the dead in that dark, cold tomb three days ago is the same spirit that I'm gonna put inside of you to give you the power to live out this radical purpose in your life. And I gotta be honest with you, I am convinced that there are Christians all over this world, especially here in the United States of America, who live powerless Christian lives because they refuse to tap into the power that Jesus has given them through his Holy Spirit. And if I'm being really honest with you this morning, I, I'm in that group most days. I'm in that group most days. I get sidetracked, I get distracted, I get focused on the raw things and I forget that I have access to the very power of the Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Are you kidding me? And we're sidetracked and we're so concerned and depressed over a stupid election as if anything could catch God by surprise or as if he were not in control over everything. And I'm in that group, sadly, most days of my life. But I just wanna to say to you this morning, beloved, what would happen if we really believed, not, not just with our mouths, but if we really believed deep down in our souls that we had access to the same power living in us that raised Jesus from the grave? How would that change our lives? How would we live our lives differently? How would we reprioritize how we spend our money and our time and what we do with our vacation time and where we travel to and who we speak to? If we really believed that we had access to the Holy Spirit of God himself living inside of us. Jesus in the gospels told his disciples that they would do even greater things than he did. Friend, do you believe that? Do you believe that you have that type of power? You have access to that type of power in your life? Francis Chan, one of my favorite pastors, uh, preached what he called his last sermon to America earlier this year before he packed up his belongings and moved with his family over to, to Burma as a missionary. And he told the story in this last sermon that he preached to America of this time that he went to, to Burma on a short-term trip. And he said, man, they were, they were out there in, in this village where, where literally people had never heard the gospel before. You look around, every, every person that you see, nobody had ever even heard the name of Jesus before. He was there with a translator. And he said, I, I can just remember looking into their eyes and explaining to them that they weren't an accident. They actually had a, a creator who loves them, and who made them with a purpose, and wants to know them, and wants to have a relationship with them. He said it's just, it was life transforming to be in that setting and share this good news with people that had never heard it before and help, try to help them process this reality that they are, they are known and they are loved and their lives matter and they count for something. 
And then he said at the, at the end of his time there, he said, man, I, I don't know why I did it. He said, I, I just, man, I was really, I was plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd never felt that kind of power before in my life. I just felt Jesus speaking through me and he was there with me and I can't really explain it. And he said, man, I, I had prayed for people to be healed before and nothing had really happened, but I just felt like God wanted me to invite people to come up. And, and, and if they wanted to, prayer for healing that I, would, that I would pray for him. He said, man, I can't explain it, but every person who came up, I prayed for them and they were healed. He said, man, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And he said, I'm a skeptic by nature, so I'd, I'd make sure I'd ask the translator, like this little, he said this one little girl came up and she was born deaf, never heard before. He prays for her and all of a sudden she starts crying because she can hear for the very first time in her life. And he's asking the translator, are you, are you sure she was deaf? Like, was she deaf, deaf? Like, she was, are you sure she was really born deaf? And like the next day he sent people to check, can, can she still hear? He's like, man, listen, I'm a skeptic. I don't typically believe it, but I'm just telling you the, the power of God was active and alive and people were being healed and transformed and lives were being changed. And this unreached people group never even heard the name of Jesus and God was authenticating the truth of his gospel through these supernatural healings. And Chan said, listen, I will never be the same. He said, I will never be the same. How can I go back? How could I ever go back to chasing the American dream? How can I ever go back to caring about what house I live in or how, how new the car is that I drive once I've tasted the purpose and the power of God like that? How could I ever go back? And church, listen to me, I, I am not saying that God always heals. Sometimes God chooses to heal his people by bringing them home, but I, what I am telling you is that I believe that far too often we live powerless lives when he offers us so much more. He gives us purpose and he gives us his power through his very spirit within us. And then the third thing, Jesus' final words give us, and this is critical, he not only gives us purpose, he not only gives us power, but he gives us his life-giving presence. Now notice when Jesus shows up, he eats with them. He doesn't just give them a theological lesson, he spends time with them. He's a relational God. Eats with them, he says, come and touch me, come and, come and be with me. Come talk to me, I'm, I'm here with you and I'm here for you. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, he tells us that, that final, in that final interaction between Jesus and his disciples, he tells his disciples, listen, I, I know what I'm asking you to do is really hard. I know what I'm asking you to do is very sacrificial. People around you will think you're radical. But I'm telling you, as you live out your purpose, as you go to the nations, I want you to know I will be with you always even till the end of the age. So Jesus goes, listen guys, I know this is gonna be hard. Some of you are even going to give your lives away in this mission, living out this purpose, but I want you to know I'm gonna be with you, empowering you every step of the journey. And friend, I'm here to tell you that the older, the older I, I get, the, the more I know this to be true, Jesus' presence is everything. His presence is everything. I am nothing without him. I can do nothing without him. I am hopelessly lost every single day of my life unless he shows up and does something in my life. 
Apart from him, I'm, I'm a wreck. Apart from him, my heart is filled with things like anxiety and selfishness. I need his presence in my life like I need oxygen in my lungs. And so I can relate so well to King David as he wrote in Psalm 42. Listen to what David said. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you. So my soul thirsts for you, God, the living God. David goes, listen, God, I, I'm, I'm, like an el- I'm like an animal in the middle of the wilderness about to die from thirst. And if you don't show up, if you don't give me your presence in my life, I'm, I'm done. My soul thirsts for you, God. Please show up. Let me live in your presence today. You are, you are life to me. What I'm telling you is that what David saw in glimpses, Jesus now offers us in full in the new covenant. His presence with us always through the indwelling of his spirit. And so let me just ask you, friend, do you have the presence of the Savior in your life? Do you have the presence of the Savior in your life? Have you ever surrendered your life to him? I don't care if you grew up in church or you've never been in church before in your life. Have you ever actually surrendered your life to the Savior? And if you haven't, let me just plead with you for a moment this morning. Let today be that day that you lay down control of your life and you pick up the purpose and the power and the presence of your creator the one who came into this world and lived a perfect life that you should have lived but had no chance to live. The same Savior who came into this world and who died as a substitution on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins and he rose again offering you abundant life now and forever. If you haven't made that commitment yet, I want you to know that's your first step, that's your next step today. And if you're watching this, you're already a follower of Jesus. I have one very simple question for you to ponder this morning, and it's this. Are you currently living in the purpose that Jesus gave you? Are you living in the purpose that Jesus gave you, or have you drifted? Have you wandered off? Are you just existing? just hanging on by a thread. And friend, I just wanna say to you, God has so much more for you. He has so much more for us. I want you to listen to, and we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. Why don't you listen to the words of Paul in Acts 20. Paul, this incredible man who traded in power and influence and wealth and comfort to know Jesus and to make him known. Listen to what he says in Acts 20. He says this, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul goes, listen, there's only one thing that matters to me now. I don't care about getting the perfect house. I don't care about driving my dream car, some dumb bucket list, man. All I want in my life is to finish my race. 
to live out my purpose, to know Jesus, to walk in his presence every day of my life and to make him known so that other people can also know that joy. And I wanna say to you, believer, we either spend our lives collecting seashells or we spend our lives risking it all in something far greater than ourselves. And church family, I say, I say we risk it all. I say we, we go all in because we've got purpose from Jesus. We've got his Holy Spirit power inside of us. And we have the presence of our great King with us now and until the end of the age. You say, Chris, I want in, man. I hear the words of Jesus and I wanna play my part in this grand story of redemption. Man, I, I don't wanna waste my life. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna show up into eternity with a bunch of she seashells in my pockets and nothing else to show for my life. I want my life to count, but I don't even know where to start, man. Let me just give you a, a couple of simple starting points. Number one, these will be on the screens for you. Number one, you can go to newlifesin.com in two very simple steps. You can take a survey there, it's gonna help us. It's gonna inform us on how we can help engage you into God's great mission to reconcile people who are far from him, bring them close. About, take you about three or four minutes. So I would encourage you, go to newlifesend.com, take the survey. And the second thing is, man, because of COVID, we can't take any global mission trips, but our, our, our outreach pastor, Rodney, has set up virtual visits for us. So I would encourage you, Take the survey, sign up for a virtual visit. The second thing you can do is you can pray and you can invest. I already mentioned earlier, three weeks from today, we're gonna be taking up our send offering. So I would just encourage you, be praying about, man, what, what can I sacrifice for the next year so that these people, like, like the people in Burma who heard for the very first time when Francis Chan went, so that they will have a chance to hear this incredible news that there's a God out there who created them and loves them and cares for them and has a purpose for their lives. What is that worth to you? How valuable is that to us as a faith family? We either put our money where our mouth is or I think we're frauds. Number three, I would encourage you to commit to go with us in 2021. Either here locally, regionally, we got some, some things brewing that are gonna be launched in 2021 in North America. And then we've got some incredible partnerships that we've just started globally. So let, let me just, even right now in your heart, maybe commit a week or two of your vacation time in 2021 to say, yes, I will go. Wherever God calls me to go, whether it's serving at the homeless shelter in downtown Asheville or working with abused women and kids downtown with some of our partners or whether it's going to the, the, the Northeast to help plant a church for a week in the summer or whether it's getting on an airplane and going to the Middle East or Africa or South America next year. Go ahead and make that commitment right now that God, wherever you ask me to go, I'm gonna go. Church, God wants to work in us and through us. I believe that. Do you believe that? Family, let's not waste the one life that we've been given. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Friend, let's find our life 
in him. Let's pray and then we'll worship. Father, thank you for thank you for giving us a purpose in life. Thank you that we don't have to wonder why we're here on this planet, God. We don't we don't have to wonder what we should give our lives away to. You've made that so clear to us in your word. Thank you, God, for filling us with your Holy Spirit power. Thank you that we have access to supernatural power through your spirit. And so God, would you give us a bigger faith of what you want to do in us and through us. God, would you remind us that in your presence, we are made whole. So we love you, Lord. We ask and we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus.